like to do is give adoration and praise to the King of Kings. But Tim, that song so blessed me that, that you just sang. He's moved like that before. Church, whatever situation you're in tonight, let me remind you, he's moved like that before. He's seen you through time and time and time again. He's seen me through time and time and time again. And no matter where we're standing at tonight, he's going to see you through. He's going to see us through. He hasn't left us alone. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be in you even to the end of the age. Here we are. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that he's here with us. He's here fighting our battles. Church, we love him so much. Let's go to prayer together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, your presence, Lord, so wonderful, so near. Lord God, we're asking tonight, Lord, that you'll move in a special way, Lord God. Lord, you see the thought that you laid upon my heart, Lord Jesus, and I just pray that you'll help me to remove myself, to get out of the way. Lord, and that you will deliver it to the people how you want it delivered, Lord God. May I not hinder or put my, Lord, my thoughts or ideas with it, but just let it flow, Lord God, according to how you see fit. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. We're inviting you to take control now, Lord God. We're inviting you to do what you do. And Lord, that is deliver people, that has saved the lost, that has healed the sick. Lord, that has raised up the downtrodden. Lord, that's what you do. That's what you're known for, Lord. You are the champion of champions. Lord, we invite you, Lord God, tonight, Lord, to a place of authority, Lord, to a place of adoration. Lord, we lift up your name and ask you humbly to please come by. Lord, we feel you near already, and we give you this time now, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. If you'll turn in the word with me tonight to Luke, the first chapter in the 26th verse. Luke, the first chapter in the 26th verse. We're going to read this entire account of when Gabriel, the angel, came and visited Mary. Luke 1 and 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. May God add his blessings now 
to the reading of the word. You can have your seat. I'll tell you, as we go along tonight, it's not going to be any mystery what I'm trying to get across to you. It's not going to be any mystery of what we're speaking about. We're going to hammer this point and we're going to stay on this point as long as the Lord would lead. And the title tonight, what I'm going to preach to you about is Thou Has Found Favor with God. Thou has found favor with God. And what I want you to do tonight, right now, before we even start, is, is take that and apply it to yourself. I want you to take that favor and accept it for yourself right now. For whatever situation you're in, whatever you're facing, we live in troubled times, and sometimes we don't know which way to turn, but in the midst of all that, I want to announce to you that thou has found favor with God. I don't think that there's anything else we need to know tonight. There's anything else we need to hear. If we could actually get that revelation to drop down into our heart, if we could actually get that, that, that true revelation right now to completely compass us about, we could leave here so victorious over every situation, over every sickness. We could walk out as conquerors tonight knowing that I have favor with God Almighty. It's a wonderful thing to think about, and that's what we're going to preach to you about tonight. What an awesome account we find there in the scripture that we just read. And many times, Brother Branham would dramatize what went on the day before and the day of as Mary met that angel. You find him do it several times. He does it in Mary's belief. Um, and that's a lot of the message that I, I listened to and studied a lot as I was preparing for this sermon. And Brother Branham would dramatize the account over and over, and it just seems to come to life when Brother Branham takes something and begins to dramatize it. I love to listen to him take an account or take a story and begin to put flesh on it and begin to talk about things. And, and it's not just a story when he tells it, because we know the office that he held and, and who he was. I can hear that story and not think, well, that was a nice story. I can hear that and go, that's incredible. That's how it was. I know when he tells those things, I know that, that he, has, he has been able to see and look and, and witness what actually went on. So, so they're not just stories. We can take those things and actually apply the things that he says as he dramatizes those events. And he talks about how Joseph and Mary had gone to service that day and how it had been a wonderful service. And he said that the, the rabbi had taught, uh, talked all about God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and how he had brought them through the Red Sea. And he talked about how God took them out of the hand of the enemy with miracles and with power and, and how by great signs and wonders for 40 years he had fed them in the wilderness. He talked about how they came out of the wilderness on a 40-year journey with not a single feeble person among them, how even their clothes didn't wear down. And he began to proclaim what a great and mighty God that we had, what a great God that, that was leading the children of Israel. And he goes on, and Brother Branham says, it was a wonderful message. He said it was a wonderful service, all these wonderful truths that the rabbi brought out. But Brother Branham says at the end of it, the rabbi ruined the whole thing. He says he ruined the whole thing by saying God just doesn't operate like that anymore. He said it's not necessary anymore. The people have settled in the homeland and they don't need a God of miracles anymore. 
I wonder how many messages today, I wonder how many good messages, how many wonderful messages today are ruined by that exact same thought process that comes forth over the pulpit. Wasn't God good? Wasn't God amazing in the way that he used to heal? Didn't God do amazing things in the past? But God just doesn't do those things anymore. He did that to get people's attention. He did that so people would recognize there was a prophet. But now that the people have been settled in the homeland, we don't need that God of miracles anymore. Now that we've settled down in this place and everything's as it was, this is where God was taking us. This is what he was trying to accomplish. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe that God's purpose is yet fulfilled because his purpose was to get a people that could overcome in this land. His purpose is to get somebody that's going to take a rapture. And until that takes place, we need a God of miracles. We need a God that's on the scene for every situation we're going to face today and tomorrow. And I'm glad I can announce to you tonight he's still here. He's still moving. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the God of miracles. I think too many times testimonies are told in a way to where they're just some ancient relic, some ancient story. We're giving this testimony to lift something up that used to happen instead of testimonies being told for the purpose that they were meant to be. That is to elevate your faith for the miracles we need today. Testimonies are to tell you what God can do right now. It's not to tell you what he used to do. I'm telling you a testimony because today you need him. Today I need him. And if he did it yesterday, he'll do it tonight. If he did it yesterday, he'll do it tomorrow. Testimonies are to prepare you for the miracles of today, not to point to a time past. It's something that we must realize tonight. That God wants to move in your situation. He wants to move right now in your situation. God wants to display his power on your behalf. God is willing and God is able to move for whatever it is you're looking in, into tonight. He's willing and he is able to move in that situation. But he's looking for somebody who will take him at his word. He's looking for somebody that will take him at his word and will believe no matter what the circumstances are. Listen, he's not asking you that has a church to have a church that believes. He's not worried necessarily about what the church. He's wanting somebody that if the church don't believe it, you believe it. If the pastor don't believe it, you believe it. If your family don't believe it, you believe it. He's looking for somebody that doesn't care what everybody else believes, but they take the word of God for themselves, for their situation, and they say, Lord, I know you love me. I know you died. I know you took stripes. I know you're the same today. You can heal me right now. You have healed me. You can save my children. You can save my spouse. I believe it right now because you're still the God of miracles. And he's looking for people like that. You have to take God's word yourself for your situation. The rabbi that day believed that the miraculous was a thing of the past. Brother Brown said, somehow that didn't satisfy the thirst and hunger of Joseph and Mary. Evening like Tabernacle, I pray that that type of preaching or that type of teaching will never satisfy the hunger that's in your soul. May this church never become a place that would stand for or accept that type of thing that would take the power of God and put it in the past. That would take the power of God and make it a thing of yesterday, a relic of the past. 
Listen, a church or a person that makes God only a God of yesterday and only a God of the past, eventually what's going to happen is they're going to dry up right where they're at. There will be no progress. There will be no altar calls. There will be no soul saves. You won't see any baptism taking place. They may have great theology. They may have great teaching. They may be able to quote circles all around you and make your head spin, but at the end of the day, there ain't enough power there to heal a toothache. There's not enough power there to get souls to the altar. There's not enough power there to save people, fill people with the Holy Ghost, preach the deliverance of the bound because they put God in the past. But I need God tonight. I need God right now. I need the God that opened the Red Sea to open up the seas in my life. I need the God that fed the children of Israel, man in the wilderness. I need him to feed my soul right now. God, I'm hungry, and I know you can feed my soul right now. There's a sea in front of me, and I know you can open it right now. You did it once, and I'm looking to you tonight. God's like, open the sea for me. Open the sea for my need, Lord Jesus. I still believe in Hebrews 13, 8. I believe in John 14, 12. We can't become satisfied with religion. Too many people are settling down on religion. The message has become a religion. Instead of a personal relationship with the living God. Instead of he came and called my name and he's my friend and we fellowship and we talk. He's there for me, and we, he loves me, and I love him, and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. It's become, well, we go to church on Sundays and sometimes Wednesdays. That's what it's become. That is a nominal life at best. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of good Baptists and Methodist people that outshine a lot of message people in their religion. You can't compare to them. They will outwork you. They will out-church attend you. I don't think that's proper to say it that way, but we said it. Church attend you. It works. You can't let it become about religion. It's about you and God and a God that called your name. A God that came to save your soul. A God that came to heal your sick and save your children and save your husband and save your, your wives. He came to do all that for you. It's not just about religion. It's about a love affair with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never let religion satisfy our souls. Brother Branham says, Mary said, you know, since I heard the rabbi say that, this great God that brought us here and made us what we are, that he doesn't have to do things for us now like he did then. I've been thinking for a long time that if this God was as great in the days of our fathers as he was in the days of our grandfathers, then why isn't he just the same great God today? Brother Brown says, that's only good thinking. That's only good thinking. Church, it's only good thinking that if it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what we saw in the ministry in the healing revivals of the 1950s and 60s, we can still see today if he's the same as he was then. 
there's just as many needs as there was then. I guarantee you there's more needs than there was then. And there's not any less power. The power, not only that, I wouldn't say the power is the same. I would say the power is increased. As he has poured out more and more of himself into this world. Yes, we see the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's reached its height. That doesn't worry me none. Because there's another tree that's reached its height. And it has unleashed its power. And it's unreleased all it has for you in this day. We have more than enough. We have more than enough. How dare us look at it and say, you don't do that no more. What we're trying to say really is, God can't do that anymore. And we say he don't do those things to make excuses for why we don't see them in our home or, make, or why we don't see them in our church. Instead of just getting down, repenting, saying, God, I was wrong. I need you to move. I need you to move in our church. I need you to move in our home. Just repent. Lay your pride down. Admit you were wrong and let God move in your life. Let God move in your family. We got people that don't think God moves that way anymore. And they got lost children and lost loved ones. I refuse to believe that. I'm not going to believe something that would damn my children. I'm going to say, God, go get them. You can still do it. I know you can. I believe you will. I'm holding on for them. That's how I choose to believe. Mary wasn't satisfied. Mary wanted something more. And she was not going to be disappointed. The prophet would say that Mary and Joseph read from the scroll of Isaiah that afternoon. And they read about the coming Savior. Unto us a child is born. What a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful scripture. Unto us, us, a child is born. This is what she was dwelling on the next morning as she walked down that little path. We find her dwelling on the word of God. There's nothing better for you and I to dwell on. There's nothing better for you and I to feed on. There's nothing better for you and I to put our time into. I know sometimes we have a lot on our mind. I know sometimes work may consume us. We may be overwhelmed on the job and we come home with it and that's what's on our mind. Work, those are, those are all things of life. I know sometimes school may consume you. You're caught up in school, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. Those are things you have to do. I get that. Sometimes entertainment may consume your mind. Sometimes maybe uh, it may be a, a video games for young people or social media, and that ain't just for young people. Social media for grown-ups, whatever. Stuff consumes our mind. And sometimes it's things of life that, that are understandable, and we, we have to take care of work. We have to take care of school. But then sometimes we fill our mind with things that really we have no excuse for. At the end of the day, we made a choice to fill our mind with that. We made a choice to pick that up and consume that all day instead of consuming something that would benefit and edify us. So many times it's a choice that we make and not necessarily something that we have to do. But the point being, you can never dwell on and consume enough or too much of the Word of God. And that's what we find Mary dwelling on and, and thinking of as she walks down the street and what I want us to think about tonight is it's when we get our mind on him. It's when we begin to think about him and it's when our conversation begins to sit around him. That's when you can have your visitation. That's when God can move on the scene for you. That's when an angel can come to your home. That's when the atmosphere can get right for your need and for your miracle. Brother Branham says, he said, hail Mary. You're highly favored before God. Oh, I like that. That little woman in the meanest city there was in the world at that time, known the meanest, meanest city anywhere in Palestine, 
And in there she had lived such a life until God chose her for a certain work that he was going to do. There she looked into his face and it startled, startled her. You know, it's, it's usually as we were thinking on those things. The Bible said if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. I think the reason we don't see no more of it than we do is we got our minds on too many other things. I think the angels would still appear to us if we only kept our minds upon them. But we're thinking about something else. That's where we're going to go. A certain program we got to get back to look at or certain shopping that we got to do. But our scripture tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And there, when we see that, he's talking about with Mary, when we see that, in other words, we see a person who's seeking first the kingdom of God. We see a person whose mind is on the Lord. We see that. He said to her, thou art highly favored before God. I think back to that special day we had there at the lake house, at Brother Tim's lake house there on Lake Claiborne when Brother Ron came for a visit. And we had a wonderful time there visiting and for several days and just talking about different things, talking just the way friends talk, you know. Then on that Tuesday, I believe it was, it was a Tuesday, as the conversation took its course, it began to turn towards the things of God. We talked about different meetings that different ones had been in our experiences in those meetings. We talked about the mighty things that we had seen God do. And we talked about how wonderful he is. And we talked about how faithful he is. And as we begin to talk about these things, you could feel him draw near in the room. You could feel the atmosphere get right. You could tell the waters were troubled. You could just tell in that moment that it was the right time. It was the right moment. And in that moment, Brother Tim, recognizing it, called everybody together and said, we're going to prayer. And we had a time of prayer with Brother Ron that was absolutely supernatural. It was an amazing atmosphere, an amazing experience. Really, words fail me to describe the power of it. Brother Ron said it felt like the walls of the house were breathing. And in that moment, because we got our mind on the things of God and because we talked about those things and we created an atmosphere that allowed him to draw near and the waters to be troubled, Brother Ron received a touch. And, and his testimony is he hasn't been the same from that day. He's been re-energized. He's, he's preaching. He, he's working. He's doing everything. He says, I'm a new man. And in that moment there, as he's receiving that touch from God, um, Andrew Pruitt and Luke Pruitt and, and, and Brother Adam, who had come there with Brother Ron, all three of them in that moment when the waters are troubled, had an experience with the God and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'll never forget after Andrew was prayed for and Luke was prayed for, he looks up at uh, Brother Ron, looks at Adam and he says, Adam, we drove 17 hours for a miracle. Why are you standing there? You might as well get in while the water's troubled. And I'm telling you tonight that when the angel draws near because you're talking about him and you're, you're thinking about him and you're thinking about how good he is, don't just stand there and let that moment pass you by. Don't stand there when the angel's moving through the building. When he's here and you have an opportunity, recognize how precious the opportunity is. Recognize there's people that will go their whole life and not experience that opportunity you can have on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday here in this church or even in your home. But right now in this service, as he begins to move and the waters are troubled, don't waste the opportunity. Get in the the water. Allow him to do the work you need him to do. 
How dare us have so much disrespect that when the angel moves and the spirit moves through the building, we can sit there with our arms crossed and just stare and look around like nothing's going on. Well, I don't feel nothing. Well, you ought to have enough about you to recognize when the presence of God is in the building. If you can't recognize his presence in a service, that says more about you than it does him. If you can't recognize when people are being blessed and poured out, it may not be for you that moment. But go to prayer for those people. Begin to worship in God, recognizing he's in your presence so that things can happen for other people. I've said it before, it's a shame that we can be so cold that we can sit there and backslidden people can come sit next to us and go to sleep. What kind of atmosphere did you create that they can come sit there and snooze? They ought to be terrified to sit next to you. They ought to be so uncomfortable. How can they drag their devils in and sit next to you and be comfortable? They sit there dozing off. There ought to be a shout of hallelujah. And they go, what was that? What's going on? Let your praise and your worship wake up the sleeping virgins. Wake up the backsliders. Create an atmosphere where things can take place. I'm not feeling anything. That's okay. It may be somebody else's night, but do your part for that person. I think it's wonderful how Brother Brown describes Mary's thoughts and her entire life being centered around the coming Messiah. She's thinking about the coming Messiah. She's, she's, she's talking about it. She's seeking for a living God, and that's what her mind is on. And I find this so pertinent to us because of the trouble in the land at the time of Mary's visitation with something that somewhat parallels the troubled times that we're living in. We oftentimes don't think back in a historical context, and I'm going to do my best not to give you a history lesson. But the angel's visit to Mary occurred during a, truthful, a truly dreadful time in a land that was already a troubled land. It was a time of religious and political upheaval throughout the land. There were very violent rebellions that were taking place. There were evil, bloodthirsty leaders such as Herod that were ruling over the land. There was Rome influencing everything. And the Jews themselves were separated into different religious and political factions that couldn't agree on anything even amongst themselves. That's a, that's a bleak picture, yeah. But that was the atmosphere and the condition of the world when Jesus showed up. That was the time that Jesus came on the scene, was in a time like that. Listen, don't be discouraged by all the things you're seeing around you. Don't be discouraged by what you're seeing. Don't let those things get you down. There have been end times before. This isn't the first end time. There have been end times before, and every single time that there's an end time, we see evil and wickedness and sin. We see instability in the world, and we see a climate that is not God-friendly. We see a climate in every end time that rejects God and rejects his people and pushes his people out. There was an end time in Noah's day. Genesis 6, 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. It was an evil time. It was an end time. There was an end time for Sodom. Genesis 13, 13 says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And we're told in Luke 17 that we can expect these same things in our day. 
Luke 17, 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Luke 17, 28, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. Luke 17, 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Listen, we have longed for and preached about and looked for the end time. Here we are. If it doesn't really even take a spiritual person to look around and realize things aren't right. There was a time for years, I, I have a lot of, of good, what I would call nominal Christian friends, good people, and we discussed the end time, and it wasn't something they ever thought about. They would say things like, well, we know he's going to come back one day, but I don't think it'd be in my lifetime. Just, it was just this one day, one day, one day. But in the last few years, you begin to hear them say things like, man, it's got to be close. It's got to be close. Listen, if they're recognizing it, what about a people that received a message that told you many years ago that it was close? A people that, to, uh, that were told exactly what to look for. A people that knew the end time was upon us. And yet some of us are walking around like the boy whistling past the graveyard, acting like nothing's going on. We are on the culmination of the wrapping up of all things. We are standing on the brink of eternity. We are standing where time is blending to eternity. You are at the moment of receiving a body change. The greatest miracle that has ever taken place on the face of the earth as the power of God's going to sweep over a people and catch them up in a moment in a twinkle of an eye. How can we act like nothing's happening? It's all happening. Everything we've ever lived for, everything we've heard preached about, everything we've ever sung about, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. You are in the middle of it. We've prayed and longed for the end time, and what you are experiencing are end time conditions. This was the ending of the Jewish dispensation. Right in the middle of a wicked city, right in the midst of their world completely falling apart, there had been rebellions, there had been riots. Sound familiar? As a matter of fact, many of the Jews, most of the Jews, believed that when the Messiah came, he was going to take part in these riots and these rebellions. That shows you how tumultuous the time was. They thought he was going to be a leader that was going to come in on a horse and, I don't know, maybe their riots are different from our riots. He was going to get spray paint and go put graffiti on everything and run their, I don't know what they expected. They didn't get what they expected, though, and that's why they missed it. There's a lot of people today that have so many preconceived notions of what was going to happen, and they're missing it because it's not lining up with their thinking. Cast away your thinking. We had a prophet coming this day and clear up everything so you didn't have to worry about your thinking. He told us what to expect. He told us what to look for. He prepared us, and here we are. I feel like we're a well-prepared people. They believed he would come and, and rid them of Roman government overthrow the Romans. It was a world of constant unrest. And in the middle of all that, in the middle of constant unrest and riots and upheavals and this and that going on, we find Mary's mind is on the Lord. In the middle of all that, her desire is, I want a living God. I want more than just a tradition. I want more of that. God, I believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't think that you're just a God of the past. I believe you can. That's what her mindset was on. Not politics, 
not factions, not this, not that, but God, I want more of you. I want to see you real in my life. I believe you've got everything in control. And that has to be us tonight, church. God, the world is falling apart around us, but you're so good, God. I love you so much. I want more of you tonight, Lord. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Lord, if I failed you in any way, let me lay that aside. Let me lay my thoughts aside. Lord, I want to draw closer to you. I want, I want to give you all that I am. Lord, I know the world's evil. I'm not worried about it right now. Lord, I'm thinking about you. Lord, I'm walking towards you. I'm trying to draw closer to you. But this is going on in positive. I'm not worried about that right now. There's a riot. I'm not worried about that. God, I need more of you. My mind's on you. I'm focused on you. And that's how she was. And she's walking down this path. Lord, you're wonderful. I want to experience more of you, Lord. And all of a sudden, a flicker. A flicker. Oh, God, let there be a flicker of light in here tonight. Let somebody's eyes come open to what's going on and what's happening all around us. A flicker. And then a pillar of fire. And then an angel steps out of that pillar of fire with a message. An angel steps out of that pillar of fire and he says... Hail, thou art highly favored. Oh, my. The unrest didn't matter then, Brother Joe. The politics didn't matter at that moment, Brother Joe. The factions didn't matter at that moment. None of those things matter. The rabbi's opinion of the God not doing the miraculous at this moment, I promise you, it didn't matter anymore. As she stood face to face with Gabriel, those things didn't matter anymore. They, 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 they had fallen away. What did we receive in this day, church? What did we receive in this day? A pillar of fire. Vindicating a message. A message that told you, you are highly favored. A message that came and told you, I chose you, but I'm no good. He didn't ask you if you were good. He said, I have chosen you. You are highly favored. Church, hear that tonight. There's a messenger telling you, you are highly favored of the Lord. He has chosen you. He delights in you. He loves you. But what about my mistakes? You are highly favored tonight. He has chosen you tonight. He loves you. He's taking you in a rapture. Quit trying to talk your way out of it. He chose you. Quit running from it. He loves you. He's taking you home. He's going to get you. You may go kicking and screaming because for some reason, some people just want to bring up all the reasons they can't. And he's telling you, I love you. I don't care. Quit saying those things. Just accept my favor. Just accept my favor tonight. Every end time has awful conditions. Every end time, it seemed like Satan turns the world mad. But every end time had something else too. Every end time had someone that found favor with God. Abraham found favor. Noah found favor. Mary found favor. And I would like to remind you tonight that you have found favor with God in the end time of all end times. In the most wicked time the world has ever seen, you have found favor with Almighty God. Can we let that begin to elevate our faith a little bit tonight? Can we begin to turn our attention tonight away from the negatives of the end time? And begin to acknowledge that if the world is getting in an end time condition, there must be a people that are also getting in an end time condition. If the world's in an end time condition, there's a bride in an end time condition. If Satan has reached his power, there is a people with the full power of the living God. It has reached its zenith and here we are in our end time condition. You say, oh, I don't want to be in the end time condition. I do. 
I want to be in the end time condition for the bride, that condition that's going to have him look over the banister and say, they're ready. They're ready. And we get to such a place that our lives, it begins to call him back. We actually call for the rapture. We call for the dead in Christ to rise because we are in an end time condition. Brother Tim put it so wonderful Sunday. We are the anointed ones at the end time. In an end time condition. There must be people in that condition. You are that people. You are highly favored. There in verse 28, the angel says, Hail, thou art highly favored, comma. That's just in the written part. He didn't say that. Comma. Thou art highly favored, comma. The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. So what we recognize is that with his favor comes his never-failing presence. With his favor comes his never-failing presence. Church, the Lord is with thee. If you have his favor tonight, the Lord is with thee. Why should I fear then? Why should I worry? What can Satan do when the Lord is with me? When I have his favor upon my life, when he has called me, when he has chosen me, and he is going before me and he is with me, I have nothing to fear. It's the exact same thing he told Gideon over in Judges 6, right before he gave him his commission. He says, the Lord is with thee. Think about that for just a second. The Lord is with thee. The angel is about to ask Mary to believe something that seems impossible to the human mind. The angel is about to tell her that she's going to have a child even though she knows no man. And what does the angel tell her to raise her faith to meet the challenge of what it is she's about to hear. Thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. These are the two things he gives her to elevate her faith so that when she hears these things, she doesn't respond like Zechariah responded. To elevate her faith to a place that she's able to respond in a way that pleases the Lord. Thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Listen, church, there may be great challenges ahead. I don't know what lies just around the curve or just over the bend. There may be great challenges. There may be great storms. Some of you may already be in the midst of one of the greatest storms of your life. I know there are great miracles that lay just ahead. I know there's a body change that lays just ahead. I know there's a rapture that lays just ahead. And what did our message tell us to elevate our faith to the place that we can receive and meet the challenge of the hour? Thou art highly favored and the Lord is with thee. Listen, he told us the Lord is with you. He said, I am not a dead God. I am not a God of history. I am not a God of the past. But night after night, service after service, time after time, he came and he declared, I am here. I have not left you alone. I'm not a God in a history book somewhere, but I am with you. I am an ever-present help in the time of need. Time after time, I'm here. I can hear a prophet of God say, he's here. He's here. Because he hasn't left us. He's favored us and he will never leave us. The never failing presence of almighty God is in this building tonight. And he is here to show you favor. I am with you. Brother Branham says, and now we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue to be with us and help us as we journey on. Each and every one of us. 
Give us thy undergirding power and the faith of knowing that thy never failing presence will be with us. In that hour when we cannot help ourselves, we know the angels of God are encamped about those who fear him. And they will bear us up lest at any time we dash our foot against a stone. Church, it's not a time for us to be dwelling on our, favor, uh, on our failures. It's not a time for us to look at how possible it may seem. We've heard two wonderful services from Brother Joe. Impossible doesn't mean nothing to God. God solves impossible situations. It's not a time to question. Really? Me? But, but, but I've done so many things wrong. What, but you don't understand my past. I think God understands your past. There's nothing you can tell him that he don't know, and yet we seem so intent on telling him all the reasons we can't live up to what he wants us. He knows. Hello, that's why he provided a way. That's why he provided a sacrifice. That's why he made a way for you, because he already knows. You're not surprising him. He's not going, huh? I picked you. My bad. No. He don't have my bads. He don't make mistakes. He's not telling you you're highly favored tonight just to get your hopes up. And when you leave, he's going to go, yeah, they don't stand a chance. That's not our God. Our God is true. Our God is faithful. And if he's telling you that you are highly favored, and if he's telling you that his presence is with you, it's because it's the truth. It's because he's called you and he's chose you and he's going to see you all the way through. There is nothing going to stop this bride. There is nothing going to stop this bride. I'm telling you right now, he said, I will have a bride that will be without spot and without wrinkle. And I don't know how he's going to do it. I look at myself and I go, I myself would mess up that whole plan. I would be a spot. I would be a wrinkle. But he says, no, I already thought about that. I provided everything. I took away every blemish. I took away every sin. I took away every failure. And now you are highly favored. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so insignificant. Yes, you are. So am I. But not to him. I'm so full of problems. I'm so, I'm so. Listen, it's not about what you can do. This isn't about how good you are. This is about you have found favor. Brother Branham says, I love this. Hail Mary, blessed art thou amongst women. Thou hast found favor with God. Oh, church, hail. Blessed are you among the people, for you have found favor with God. You've believed for eternal life, and God's give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hail, church. You are highly favored. You are highly favored. Quit putting it over there. I know that person is you are highly favored tonight. It's time that you receive the favor that he's trying to give you. If we're going to bring forth the return of the promised son, if we're going to produce all the word says that we're going to produce, we must respond to God's favor the same way that Mary responded to it. If we're going to bring these th things forth, we got to move beyond our self-pity. we got to move beyond woe is me and move a little bit closer to be it unto me. We got too many people saying, woe is me, woe is me. I just need you to move over here and say, be it unto me. It's not that much different in words. It's not that much harder to say. Just let it come out of your soul, Lord, whatever it is you have. My circumstances aren't perfect. My situation isn't perfect. But I hear a word tonight saying I'm highly favored. And I just want to respond and say, Lord, be it unto me. Let that be who I am tonight. 
Six months before this visitation with Mary, Gabriel visited Zacharias in the temple. In Luke 1, 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Brother Branham talks about how Zacharias actually had examples in the Scripture, and he had no reason to doubt. Whereas Mary actually had something harder to believe, because it was something that had never happened. And when I look back and I looked at Abraham and Sarah, it's amazing. There's literally a Scripture that is almost identical to that Scripture, and it's in Genesis 18.11. It says, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be, Sarah, to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Luke 1.7 says, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. It's literally almost the same situation. And him being a priest, you know he knows the story well. He knows that this has happened before. Skip down to verse 11 of Luke 1. And it says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Listen to this salutation. It's absolutely wonderful. You're going to have joy, and you're going to have gladness. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. This is wonderful. This is powerful. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Listen, church, this is big. This this is good news. There has never been a message quite like this delivered to a person. What what a message. And the thing is, what's amazing about this, look, Zacharias probably fits to run the aisles. He's fits to jump and shout and give praise and glory and receive this message. And this is all, I can't wait to see how how he responds here. What, What a message. He says, Listen, you've been praying and asking for a child. I don't know if you noticed that in the very beginning. He said, this is an answer to your prayer. Zacharias has been praying for this. He's been praying for this. Oh, Zacharias, your prayers have been heard. Not only will you and Elizabeth have a son, but he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Not only are you going to have a son, but he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Many are going to turn to God because of your son. This is wonderful. He will be the forerunner. Oh, praise the Lord. And Zechariah says unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man. And my wife is well stricken in years. This was his prayer. This was what he'd been asking for. And now the angel comes to tell him your prayers have been heard. And not only that, as God usually does, he's going above and beyond. Not only are you going to have a son, but look how awesome this is going to be. He's the forerunner. He's going to turn a nation back to their God. Can you believe this? And Zachariah said, no, I can't. 
Mm-mm. No, I can't believe that. I wonder sometimes if we're expecting to receive the things we're asking for. Can we accept it when the word pronounces you healed? I've been praying a long time for this. You're healed. Uh, you don't know how I feel right now. I'm telling you by his stripes you're healed. No, you don't understand what I'm telling you. I'm hurting. Can we accept it when the word gives us what it is we've been asking for? Can we accept it when the word says that your children are going to be saved? You don't know my children. You're right. I probably don't. But the word says that they'll be there in their offspring with them. So I'm just going to hold on to that. Regardless of the case, regardless of your situation, I'm just going to hold on. He's given me no reason to doubt him. I'm not going to start doubting now. Can we accept it when the Lord says, when the word tells us that the promise is unto you? I just can't receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've tried. It ain't about trying. It's about receiving. It's about accepting. He gave it to you. Quit arguing with him and accept the favor that he's trying to give you here tonight. Or do we respond tonight like Zacharias instead of like Mary? One Bible scholar says that this was not a humble petition for the confirmation of his faith. But a peevish objection against what was said to him as altogether incredible or impossible. As if he would have said, I can never be made to believe this. I can never be made to believe this. Verse 19, and the angel answered, said unto him, I am Gabriel. Something tells me that his tone probably changed a little bit after Zacharias' response. I'm thinking that it wasn't quite so friendly and warm. At first it was like, fear not, you know, all this wonderful thing's about to happen. I don't believe you. I am Gabriel. At this point, he might have had a little reason to fear. Oh, that's, just, that's just me. His tone changed a little bit. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I have sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, you shall be dumb and not be able to speak. Listen, doubt and fear are contagious. And he was in a situation where he knew Mary was fixing to have to receive a miracle. He knew these things were, they were in the season of miracles. And I'm not going to have you spreading your doubt. I'm not going to have you spreading your unbelief. I am going to shut your mouth. Listen, it's time to tune out the messengers of doubt. It's time to tune out those that would tell you God don't do that anymore. God may not shut their mouth, but you can shut your ears and tell them I'm not listening to you. I don't care if it comes over social media or Facebook or across a pulpit. If they're a messenger of doubt, don't listen to them. So he shuts his mouth. Listen, what he said was completely different from what Mary said. There was a time when I was younger and I'd look at it and Mary would say, well, how will this thing be? And then I would read where the prophet says she never questioned anything. She, and I'm like, well, I, mean, I don't know. It looks like a question. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm moving on. <laughs> but the difference is, if you actually get into it and look at what Mary is saying, it's just a question of, okay, I believe this. How are you going to do it? It's almost inquisitive. How are you, you going to do it? She's excited by the news that she has received. She's excited by the news. She said, in other words, how, would I, how can I at this time conceive a child when I know not a man? She's asking this because it's, it's simply, look, I know the Messiah is going to be virgin born. I get it. And now I'm the virgin. This is good. I'm, I'm excited. Now, can you, can you tell me how it's going to happen? 
In other words, this wasn't a language of distrust or a language of doubt. It was simply a request for a little bit more instruction. Can you just tell me a little bit more? Can you tell me? And I think that's the attitude of every real Christian. We sit here and the Lord begins to speak to us and, and we sit there and go, can you tell me just a little bit more? Can you instruct me just a little bit more? I like what I'm hearing. You said there's going to be a bride. You said there's going to be a rapture. Tell me a little bit more. Feed me a little bit more. I want to know a little bit more about what it is you're doing. Lord, feed me. Tell me a little bit more. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, but I just want a little bit more of it tonight. And that's what Mary's saying. Can you just give me a little bit more? Can you tell me how you're going to do it? There's, a, there, there's an air of excitement about it. This isn't a language of doubt. It's a language of excitement. Luke 1, 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Listen, once she's told that it's going to be done by the power of the Holy Ghost, there ain't no more questions from her. I love how she asked this little question, and then he answered, there's no more doubt. It completely sufficed her. That's good enough for me. How's this going to happen? The Holy Ghost is going to do it. Perfect. That's good enough for me. So you're telling me I have his favor. I have a promise of a child, and you're telling me the Holy Ghost is going to do it. Okay, I believe. I accept it. Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. That is a perfect recipe for receiving everything you have need of. That is the perfect recipe for overcoming anything the devil can throw at you. Okay, Lord, I have your favor. I'm promised joy. All right, and the power of the Holy Ghost is going to break this depression off my life. I accept it. Be it unto me. Lord, you said I promised peace. I have your favor. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and break this anxiety off of me. I accept it. Lord, I have your favor. I have the promise of a child. How's it going to be? The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow thee. And that's how it's going to happen. Okay. I accept it. I accept it tonight, Lord Jesus. If we can just take that recipe, we can overcome anything. I have his favor. I have a promise. And the Holy Ghost is going to give it to me. This is good enough for Mary. It's good enough for me. And it ought to be good enough for each and every one of us here in this building tonight. Oh, my. How wonderful that is. Just tell me a little bit more. Just a, listen, I can't stand up here tonight and say I am Gabriel. I'm not Gabriel tonight, but I got a message for you. Those things you've been praying for, they're about to come to pass. Those things you've been asking for, they're about to happen. The miracles you've been looking for, they're about to happen. You've been praying for revival, revival's about to happen. You've been praying for a child, a child's about to happen. You've been praying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's about to happen. We've been looking for a rapture, and it's about to happen. It's here, it's time. And I say, Lord, just pour it out. It's time, it's about to happen. Oh, glory to God, the things you've been looking for, the things you've been praying about, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. You can stay on your feet. I'm going to close right here. It's about to happen. Now I ask you one question. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? All these things are about to happen. You don't understand what I'm going through, Brother Aaron. You're right. I don't understand. Life has taken so much from so many people. You're scarred and you're hurt. Those things are real. But they're not greater than his favor. In the midst of your greatest trial, I'm telling you, you're favored. I'm going through so much. I know you are. God bless you. But you're favored. 
Man faces so many troubles, so many trials. They do. But glory to God, we face them with the favor of God in our life. We face them with a rapture at the end. We face them with the faith that I can be healed, I can be delivered, I will overcome. The things you have been asking for. Your prodigal, it's about to happen. They're coming home. Oh, glory. Brother Aaron, the seas are so rough. The storm is so rough. I know. I'm so desperate. I understand. I've been desperate too. You talk about desperate. The disciples, they were desperate. What the seas were. Brother Branham said that Satan was on every single wave around that ship. You talk about torment. They knew what it was to have torment. But he hung around a little bit too long because one of them looked up and said, Who's walking this way? There's somebody walking this way. Church, I see him walking this way tonight. I see him walking this way tonight. That storm said it's going to sink you, and Jesus said, Here I come. Here I come. He's walking to your ship. He's walking to your situation. He's walking in your life to set you free, to change the situation in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Oh, he's going to change the situation in just a moment. A flicker, a pillar of fire, and an angel. You are highly favored. Be it unto me, God. Be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus, how we love you. Lord, I cry out tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, may my heart be like Mary's tonight, Lord. Just say, be it unto me. Lord, I may not understand it all, but I believe it, Lord Jesus. Lord, may I not, not be like one that would say, I can't be made to believe this. But Lord, tonight my heart is open to receive. Lord, my heart is open for everything you're pouring out tonight, Lord Jesus. I want it. I want more of you, Lord. Help my mind to be stayed on you. Lord, the world's falling apart around me. That's okay, because this world is not my home. I don't plan on being here much longer. Lord, I've been praying for a rapture, and I know it's just about to happen. Lord, I know I'm standing there ready to receive. Lord, the promised son is about to return. Lord, and I say, be it unto me, Lord. Lord, you know the hurts. Lord, you know the people that are scarred and wounded. Lord, those things are real, but so is your favor. Lord, may we not elevate our hurts over your favor, for they are not greater than what you have given us. We love you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your wonderful presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Lord, thank you for the revival that is breaking out in hearts of men and women. Lord God, I know there won't be another revival. Lord God, that sweeps the world in some big public show. I get that. But Lord, I believe tonight there is a people that heard they are highly favored and they can have revival tonight in their souls. They can have revival tonight in their homes. Lord, pour it out and refresh the ones tonight. Lord, that will willingly receive and say, be it unto me, Lord, according, Lord, to that purpose. We love you, Lord. We commit all these things into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Church, thou hast found favor with God. Hallelujah. 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 People of favor. Thank you, Jesus.
victory tonight. Allow you to believe. Amen. Oh, yes. To praise him. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. This is what Mary was saying. I'll say yes, Lord. Whatever your promise is, it's just yes and amen. Be it to me according to thy word. That's the way we ought to look at this message. The very word of the angel of God that he sent in our day. We ought to say yes, Lord, to it. Yes. Amen. If he offers you the Holy Ghost, yes, Lord, I'll take it. Amen. If he offers you healing, yes, Lord, I'll take it. If he offers you your children, yes, Lord, I'll take it. Whatever you have, God, I'm going to take it for myself. Amen. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. 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 Sing it to him now. Oh, yes, I'll say yes, yes, yes. I'll say yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, yes. Sing it to him one more time. Just say yes to his promise. I'll say yes. Yes. 
says. How are you going to do it, Lord? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That holy thing that will be born in you is of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What he's forming in your heart right now is of the Holy Ghost. A faith to believe. A faith for a rapture. A faith for every promise. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, 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 I'll say yes, 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 can you say yes to his promise, amen, I'll say yes, promise, Lord. I take it for myself. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. 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 I saw love, mercy, and grace. Don't you see that in this message? What God said to you in this day, I saw love, mercy, and grace. I envisioned His beauty. I looked on His face. I saw love. Now I saw love. Just take a moment now. What do you see in what he's telling you? You're highly favored. It's his love upon you. It's his mercy. That is new every morning. It's grace. Favor. Favor from the Almighty. I envision his beauty. I looked on. With your hands raised to him again now. I saw love, mercy, and grace. I saw love, mercy, and grace. I envisioned his beauty. I I like this one tonight. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. And I Until he found me, 
Amen. I believe he paid that debt for us, don't you? Amen. How we can rejoice in that favor tonight. You are highly favored. The grace of the Lord is upon you. Amen. And we can just start believing that. 
Amen. If we can start walking in that, I know I can do all things because Christ is with me. Amen. He'll empower me. His favor is upon me. His love is upon my life. He changed me. He made me in his, in his image. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I belong to him. Not my own. I'm his. Amen. If I'm his, I'm his responsibility. He's with me wherever I go. Whatever I do, I don't have to fear to go anywhere or do anything. For the never-failing presence of Jesus Christ is with me wherever I go. You say, how, we can, how can we go through this end time? Thou art with me. You're highly favored. I'm with you. You're highly favored to have his presence. Hey, he, you can't get separated. He's in you. You take him with you everywhere you go. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you even in, even in you to the end of the world. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Give me the key of F. Amen. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon. Bye. 
song before we go tonight blessed assurance Jesus is mine what a foretaste of glory divine amen he's the heir of salvation we're the heir of salvation the purchase of God amen we're born of his spirit and washed in his blood aren't you glad for that tonight we can walk in that blessed assurance can't you see it's written in every type of the Bible Amen. We can we can preach about Jesus on the on the walking on the waters. We can preach about him being in our boat. We can look at Bible prophecy and look back in the scripture. Begin to realize this is prophesying of this hour. And you are that Mary that has been highly favored of the Lord. And the angel has come to you. A message in this last day telling you you're highly favored. You've been chosen before the foundation of the world and you can never be unchosen. Hallelujah. How's it going to be, Lord? Tell me more about it. Amen. I love that tonight. Tell me more about it. Amen. Tell me more. Let me, let me in on the secret. How are you going to do this? Lord, show me even more what you're going to do. Amen. We can look at these scriptures. We can look at these songs. And we can say, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. This promise is mine. I lay hold on that promise. Amen. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, I love Is that your story?